Here's Dan Schulman, President and Chief Executive Officer at PayPal, on the discussion Prioritizing Small Business in Economic Recovery, sponsored by PayPal. This idea of how can we help our small business customers really rethink their entire strategy for how do they continue going forward when the world has shifted more and more towards digital is something that we're, I think, uniquely able to go and do. Listen to the entire discussion on WTOP.com. Search PayPal. Politics, power, and the people. From Washington, D.C., this is The Week on the Hill. I think that the administration is pulling this thing under control, and I think it's important to know that. I did not think it would only take two months to create the worst border crisis in the history of America. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy with sharp differences on how President Biden is handling issues at the southern border. I'm WTOP's Mitchell Miller, and it's just one of many issues reflecting the partisan divisions in Congress now that Democrats have narrowly approved the president's nearly $2 trillion COVID relief package. Republicans have pounced on the surge of migrants at the border, which could become the largest increase in two decades, with thousands of them unaccompanied children. I knew his immigration policy would be bad. But I did not think it would be this bad. I did not think that would mean 13,000 unaccompanied minors in the U.S. custody. The president's new Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, faced tough questions about the situation at a House hearing. The situation is undoubtedly difficult. He was pressed about coronavirus testing of migrants who are taken into custody by Georgia's Andrew Clyde. Are we testing every foreign national that crosses our border to see whether they have COVID or not? It is our policy to test individuals who are apprehended. Mayorkas, who has resisted calling the situation a crisis, as Republicans have, traveled to the border with a bipartisan group of senators on Friday to get a firsthand look at what's been happening. The administration, meanwhile, has been trying to remind Americans of the benefits of the COVID relief package beyond the stimulus checks that have been going into people's bank accounts. The president and Democratic lawmakers have been talking about a wide range of funding included in the measure. But they're also starting to look ahead at possible future legislation. Is there anything that both parties can agree to? I asked Virginia Democratic Senator Tim Kaine and Virginia Democratic Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger, one of the most centrist members of the House, about that. As you both are aware, there's a lot of discussion about whether the Biden administration can get another big piece of legislation passed related to infrastructure. You're both known for reaching across the aisle, but given the rather toxic political atmosphere right now, do you think that can happen? And what do you think needs to get done to get something like an infrastructure bill passed? Mitchell, I'll say that I can't think of anything that has more prospects of bringing us together in a bipartisan way than infrastructure because Every Republican governor and every Republican mayor and every Republican um, chairman of a board of supervisors that I know wants the nation to do an infrastructure package and Democrats as well, the Chamber of Commerce and organized labor want us to do an infrastructure package. So outside of Capitol Hill, the desire to do it is completely nonpartisan. The one piece of advice that I would have for the White House really on this is you know, we just did the uh, rescue plan and it does have some infrastructure money in it or funds that states could use for infrastructure. So I don't feel like we have to rush on the infrastructure bill. What, what I would encourage the White House to do is it should invite every state's delegation, you know, start with Alaska or Alabama and go all the way down to Wyoming, 50 delegations to come one at a time to the White House 
to sit down with the transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, and other key leaders in the White House and talk about as state delegations, what are their priorities? What do they want to see? What do they think the size of the package should be? What's really important to each state? What about how do we pay for it? And I think if the White House takes the time to listen to the different delegations, I could see the 13 of us in the Virginia delegation going down there, we'd be talking about the port. We'd be talking about, you know, enhanced rail service between DC and Richmond and elsewhere. We'd be talking about Interstate 81. If the White House does that, they'll be able to put together an infrastructure package that will show everybody, well, they listen to us. We have a slightly more comfortable majority in the House. And I continue to be focused on bipartisanship, not for the kind of hokey desire to have bipartisanship as just a a goal, but because it's a means to the end of creating really long lasting policy, right? Policy where we can bring broader groups of people, be they within a political party or, you know, across party lines, the bigger the coalition behind an idea and a policy, the more support the more supported in genders on the ground, and certainly the easier it is to pass in the House and ultimately the Senate. So I'm going to continue to advocate for recognizing the strong elements of an infrastructure plan that are in fact bipartisan, where we do have that agreement, where we can bring a good coalition of Democrats, Republicans, and a couple of the independents in the Senate together behind ideas. So my hope and expectation, what I'm advocating at least here on the House side, is that we have really earnest conversations about what we can do, how we can build bipartisan support for as much of the infrastructure needs of our nation, right? Our infrastructure grades are bad. We need to be responsible and address them. And then ultimately, reconciliation does exist as an additional tool, if and as necessary, to ensure that we're doing what needs to be done to invest in our country. Republicans are critical of Democrats for using budget reconciliation to pass the president's COVID relief plan in the Senate by a simple majority. No GOP lawmakers voted for it. And a member of the Republican leadership, Wyoming Senator John Barrasso, is wary of talk about a possible tax hike reportedly under consideration by the White House. He also says infrastructure could be used as an excuse to raise taxes. Republicans, conservatives, people are not for raising taxes. And the Biden administration is talking about doing it many ways, Uh, raising the tax rates on income tax, raising the taxes on long-term investment income, resuscitating the death tax, and then, oh, they want to spend more money in the IRS to hire more IRS agents to look into you and your taxes and your business dealings. Well, they say they want to raise all of this money under the guise of infrastructure. But infrastructure, the way that the Democrats are using the phrase, is just code for their climate agenda. I chaired the committee last time in the Senate, the Environment and Public Works Committee. We did real infrastructure, roads, bridges, highways, ports, dams, things that contribute to the economy and to communities and for good jobs. That, to me, is infrastructure, not what the Democrats are talking about now. So while infrastructure is one of the few areas that members of both parties agree should get attention, there remains little agreement on how to pay for it. Like many other issues, Congress will have a tough time agreeing on how to move forward. And the window for getting things done as a new president is typically pretty small. On a positive note, vaccinations against the coronavirus continue to expand, more than 100 million since President Biden has taken office. For now, he'll likely take the victories where he can. I'm WTOP's Mitchell Miller, and this is The Week on the Hill. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. 
Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.